0: My next guest is Tyra Myricks. She is a Brooklyn native. I love Brooklyn, lived in New York uh, for five years, Manhattan. So I never lived in Brooklyn, but I know Bob Brooklyn. She's a Brooklyn native who's the director of design and merchandising and development at OVO and an entrepreneur crafting her own lane. As the only daughter of hip-hop legend, jam master, J of Run DMC, she quickly understood her aptitudes and the impact that she created within this world. A lot of people don't do that. That's why I wanted on the show to talk about that. Amongst her many endeavors, Tyra was working alongside Tiana Wallace, daughter of rapper Biggie Smalls, to create Juicy Pizza. Now you got me at the pizza part, right? Juicy just made me want to stand in line. The eatery is commemorated as a commemoration of Biggie Smalls to bring back the embodiment of Brooklyn to L.A. Do you hear what I'm saying, y'all? They're bringing the East Coast to the West Coast with plans to give back to the local homeless community. Juicy Pieces is scheduled to open in 2021. We'll talk about that. Tyra Myricks is a serial entrepreneur, which means that she got her hand in a her hand or hand in a lot of things. At the age of 21, she sought out her first venture of wealth. It's called Wealth, a streetwear apparel brand with a simple sentiment of being happy. Originally known as Flight New York Flight NYC. Flight New York City, NYC is the logo that was on there. Flight NYC, soon to be international brand, gained more than two point three million dollars in sales within the first three years of business. You know who you're talking to. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Tyra Myricks. How you doing, Tyra? I'm great. How are you? Well, you know, if people are listening to the show, they can't see this amazing view in your back because you're based in <laughs> Los Angeles, California. You know, I know you're New York City born, but That's you can't true. get that view. Can't get that view I'm watching behind you in New York City.
1: <laughs> no, no, you can't. So tell me about
0: yourself. You, you're still relatively young as an, uh, an entrepreneurship in the uh, in the I guess the millennial space. Has really uh, taken control. Is it technology that has allowed young people to dive into the entrepreneurial role so quickly? Or just a different desire, a different time that we live in right now with internet and uh, video phones? And I grew up with the rotary dial telephone. This is the era I grew up with, Tyra. I, I lived through the rotary dial telephone. Then I would live through the text. Then I lived through the giant cell phones. And now in the the, the 90s, I got a little small Motorola Motorola telephone, which at the time when I purchased, it was $1,200 at the time. And then now we're living in an age where you you basically tap your phone and see somebody across the world visually. So talk about how technology plays a role in your life and has made you so motivated to win.
1: I think that technology and the advancement of social media is definitely playing a huge role. And um, the amount of entrepreneurs we have today, I feel like the generation that I grew up in specifically, like we saw the crossover from, you know, not being able to be on the house phone and the internet at the same time from dial up to wireless, right. um, from 3G to 4G to 5G. Um, and now, you know, the technology is, is getting even more advanced. And I feel like social media has a huge influence where, you know, before when you had to set out a... A press release or anything like that it was something that was a fax or you know scheduled or anything like that now we can share information with just the touch of a button and influence the masses um you don't have to subscribe to magazines you don't have to subscribe to anything that is a subscription a subscription cost right um so these gems and these tools that may not have been as relevant and resourceful um, 10 years ago are at the tip of our fingers, which is pretty much influencing the human mind in in, its entirety. So I feel like it does play a huge role in the amount of entrepreneurs that we have today. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. So
0: basically, uh, and I, I i have a clear understanding of this sometimes i ask questions not because i don't know it's because i want to make sure that people who are listening or watching have a clear understanding of your gifts your ability to take advantage of what's made available because a lot of people don't do that a lot of people are still working on traditional ways of trying to purchase media on radio or trying to pull up a billboard or still putting up signs in barbershops and beauty salons which still work by the way but because of social media it affects and creates engagement sometimes with thousands and sometimes with millions when did you realize social media can be used for you effectively tyra and putting together your dreams and also building your brand
1: So luckily for me, I was on Twitter before everybody was verified. Um, Like I was like on Twitter, like one of the first people. Well, I wouldn't say the first people, but like I was on Twitter before the wave. Um, And then Instagram, I actually stumbled upon Instagram thinking it was an app to just like edit pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was before the algorithm. So Instagram used to, the way my brand actually like got out there is Instagram. Now, if you mass follow people on Instagram, you would for sure get blocked. But um, when Instagram first started, we would just sit there all day and, like, follow a bunch of people. um, And that just translated into sales. Um, And eventually Instagram, I think we were, like, maybe following, like, 600,000 people with, like, 200,000 people following back. But um, Instagram eventually shut that Flight NYC page down. Uh But it grew that audience that stuck with us um, and allowed us to just reach out to celebrities before you know, an algorithm happened or, you know, they could, they were getting paid to uh, be brand ambassadors and just hone and create those relationships. Um, so like DMing a celebrity in 2012 was very accessible. It wasn't, uh, Oh, I don't want to talk to you. Oh, here's my rates. It's you're doing dope things. Everybody's following you. You know, that's back when the popular page was a thing on Instagram. Now we have the explore before it was like the popular page. If you got a certain (laughs) amount of likes in a certain amount of time, on a popular page so we understood that algorithm and um just like back during people's followers like celebrities and um, learning your market like if we want to sell clothes and we're from brooklyn we're going to everybody who follows fab and follows everybody that they eat that are that's following fab um because we have that network so it was pretty much just being young but understanding that this in tech is going to go to the next level and abusing what they had to offer before they knew the potential or had that that range to be able to right. be a, a platform that blocks you for this or blocks you for that. Because if Instagram came out the gate with that, nobody would have Instagram. It wouldn't be where it is today. So um, just taking advantage and learning learning the market and, and how to use tools before, you know, we can't use them anymore.
0: Cause I'm gonna tell you right off the bat, I know uh, I was still managing Steve Harvey at the time. We had like about a million fan club members. And I would, I would look on TV and i see the little Twitter logo and next to the CNN anchors or sports anchors. And I was like, and I was resistant to change. And that's why I like, the, I wanted to talk to you about it. Because when you're resistant to change, other people in the process of participating, then you're kind of like getting behind the line. That line's getting longer in front of you. And so and, and so, I was resistant. Eventually, I came over, of course. But it, uh, probably about a year it took me to realize that I should start investing my time and start growing and participating with social media. And so so many people are resistant to change. In your business, change is kind of like the norm. Why is that? And how do you stay ahead of the curve, Tyra?
1: I think that at first I was pretty much reluctant to change. Um, yes. I'm still a person that like, has trouble with change. But the only thing in life that is constant is change. Um, And we have to constantly move and adapt to that change. If I would have been a person that's just like, I'm going to stay on Facebook and, Mm -hmm. you know, not go over to Twitter in 2009, I probably wouldn't have had that jump ahead of the curve um, that I have today. And um, I think that a lot of that success can be credited to just you know, jumping onto things. Um, There was an app that you could go live. I think it was like Ustream or something like that, where like celebrities would go live and engage with their fans and and stuff like that. And I was like on those apps. And, you know, before Instagram had a live, um, you know, so it was like, before you could just tweet Twitter pictures out, you know, we had to store them in Putt Locker and stuff like that. Like I was always looking and anything that was being used by someone influential, I'm like, okay, well, let me make my account, you know, because... (laughs) You don't know what's going to take off. Um, and if you get on it before it takes off, you know, you have that that inclination of, you know, where it's about to go. And you're able to gauge that, actually, just by following trends and um, algorithms and, and numbers and data and stuff like that.
0: Well, th- that's important because I want to talk go back to OVO. Where you create designs, and for all the stores located in North America, Canada, England, Japan, to match each demographic. I want to stop right there because right there, my mind about to explode because right there you mm-hmm. say each demographic. So yes. I'm looking at a very calm individual. You know, you don't feel like you you drawing as we talk. You know, you feel like <laughs> you know how to slow it down. You know how to shift gears. I let me repeat what I just said. She create curates curates designs for all stores located in North America. Canada, England, and Japan to match each demographic. And the head of tour merchandise for artists like Drake, Party Next Door. Wow, talk to me. You know how, this is about time management now. This is about the ability to be able to stop the clock, know where you're at, and also to show superior leadership. And also people have to trust your decisions that you make. Let's kind of like navigate slowly because I don't want to brush over this because I I, I brought that up for a reason because you're a superior talent. And I'm a, I'm a big person on bragging about my time management. But you kind of like putting me in a... I, I should go back in my little corner and just, uh, just, just curl up when I talk to you. How do you do it? How do you pull it
1: off? Um, I would say my main thing that I had to learn to adapt to is not being afraid to ask for help. Um, when I first started out, I was a person who thought that, you know, not having eight hours of sleep means you have eight figures or you know just like the the little cliche things that we take and we learn and adapt from watching different successful people um and i was very stubborn in the in the thought process of thinking that no one will get it done the way i get it done and sometimes i still think that but it's okay to have a team, and it's okay to ask for help, and it's okay to admit your weaknesses and your flaws, and it's okay to say, "Look, I need a break. Can you cover for me?" Right. Um, and it's the most important thing because when we think that we constantly have it, we're literally moving, 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 moving until we crash into a brick wall. And when we crash into that brick wall, the recovery is harder than just stopping along the way and saying, "Hey, I needed some help."
0: Wow. You know, when I, I think about when I look at my life, what I try to share with my interviews is that not that my life is so important, I've done so many different things, but also I, I try to learn from an interview. An interview, like I, I always brag about how little sleep I get. And then, and that's my badge of courage, my badge of a choice that I promote, that you got to work hard in order to achieve your dreams. You're also saying in your my interview with you, I said, Rashawn, that's true, but you should also uh, apply to who you are. Because everybody's course to success is not tied to how they did it, but how you can apply it to your life so you can do it equally successful without burning yourself out. Because I don't see you as a person who's going to burn herself out. Why is that?
1: Um, I feel like quite often we just get caught up in like, this person is successful. So Oprah's successful. She's a millionaire. Let me mimic her lifestyle. Right. But there's a lot of successful people. And, you know, Oprah's path is for Oprah. And it works for Oprah because that's the way that God ordered her steps. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to work for you. So you have to pull different pieces of different people's story and figure, figure out what adapts to you. Don't change who you are, but become a better person. Don't, like, I feel like life is too short to just, like, mimic other people and, you know, become a robot. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to figure out what works for you. Um, because, you know, we have one life and it's, it's pretty short. Um, so (laughs) you don't want to spend it, you know, you want to spend it making as few mistakes as possible. Mistakes are inevitable, of course, but we want to make it spend it, making as as few mistakes as possible. So it's just like, you know, figuring out what works for you quickly and always being able to know that that may not work in, in a year from now. So you, you're going to have to figure out, how you're going to change and quickly, and if you need a break for even if it's six months to a year, don't be afraid to take that break because what's for you is going to be for you.
0: Well, that's that's really important. Now, when I, when I mentioned earlier that she's a serial entrepreneur, during the pandemic, during the pandemic, now she opened a gym called Method uh, Method Gym down in down first black on, by the way. Yeah. Uh, in downtown LA, which is which you know, I'm going like, okay, really, really. So, first of all, during the pandemic, you're going to open a business. Okay, let's talk about that decision. And then being the first Black-owned gym in downtown LA, which is, which is revitalized, by the way. If you go down there, I remember way back in 1990 when Steve Harvey and I did a, a broadcast outside of uh, Staples, uh, it was like parking lots and cars. Now you go down there, LA Live, it doesn't even look the same anymore. It's like crazy beautiful down there. So when, when you talk about you, uh, a visionary. I mean, I have to put the word visionary attached to your name, Tyra, because of Thank the fact you. that you are making the decision not based on what the situation is currently about what it will be in the future. That's what visionaries are. So to open a gym, why you wanted to open the gym and why did you choose downtown L.A.?
1: Um, so I kind of came in on the project when the location was already chosen. Uh-huh. So I didn't really have too much say in that. But I thought downtown L.A. was a good area because it's pretty much where everyone who comes to L.A., um, they they move to. Like downtown L.A., Koreatown, all in that area. Uh-huh. Um, I, too, when I first came to L.A., lived in that area. So I know like downtown L.A. is, is coming up, um, you know, the buildings, the luxury buildings and things like that. And that's pretty much. If I had to pick an area to have that mix, that melting pot of, Mm -hmm. you know, a market, it would be downtown LA. So that's why the the location... Once, um, you know, they they told me where it would be, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I think it's genius.
0: (laughs) Now, what classifies, what's a gym? Is it, like I said, is it weights? Is it uh, exercise classes? Is it cycling classes? What qualifies Method Gym as a gym and what attracts people to either membership or weekly uh, uh, pay-as-you-go? What is the process of generating revenue at Method Gym?
1: So at the method we have this one class which is a class where you use a VersaClimber, climber which it it pretty much simulates climbing a mountain. Right. So this is also a machine that LeBron James uses for an hour a day every day. Um and the uh metcon class pretty much is a mix of lifting weights, dead uh a cardio, a bike, and the Climber, which allows you to burn anywhere from 600 to 900 cal- uh, calories in a 30 minute interval while working all three metabolic systems at the body at the same time. So you're pretty much getting a very extensive workout in 30 minutes. So that's our like main thing that we're pushing and it gets people in. But then on the other side of that, we also have a boxing gym, um, which, you know, people love boxing. And then on the outside, we have an outside turf that allows you to link cables and stuff like that. So you can have circuits. Um, And then we have a recovery room and a sauna. So we pretty much cover all bases um, to be able to, you know, apply to an appeal to anyone who wants it. So all of our um, classes end in con. So we have. MetCon, AbCon, BootyCon, like anything that you can think of, a mm-hmm. uh, ab class, a, a a class just for your glutes, a, a class just for boxing if you want to do a circuit, we have it, and then of course you know MetCon. So it's pretty much you know to find your niche and where you fit in, and then every Wednesday for like females who may not be into working out but they want to be empowered and be around other females, we have a Women Crush. Wednesday workout um, where just females get together at 1030 and come together and we throw a free workout for them to be able to feel confident in working out and make that leap of faith.
0: Well, let's talk about my favorite part of this interview. We're going to continue, but the juicy pizza. Okay. Cause I am a foodie. You might not know that about me, Tyra. I'm a foodie. So let's talk about the whole concept. Of doing a pizza, which is we know there is a difference because I've lived in New York, I've lived in Chicago, I lived in Los Angeles, I'm born and raised in Houston, I'm now based in Atlanta. So I know there are different pizzas in different parts of the country. I love the thin pepperoni pizza of New York. I love the deep dish of Chicago, and LA gives you a mixture of both. And then Houston kind of like steals from everybody, but they throw a little Tex-Mex on a lot of their pizzas, so you can get a little bit of everything. They do a great, great I think thin pizza. I like to believe, in the state of Texas, especially Houston. So what brand are we bringing to Juicy Pizza in Los Angeles and where do we start uh,
1: uh, with the menu? Absolutely. So Juicy Pizza is basically a New York experience. Yes. So we are bringing straight New York pizza to L.A., um, from everything, including the water. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's straight New York slices, New York pies. And then to add a little twist, uh, you know, New York is like a melting pot. Um, so you can go here and, you know, you're going to get great food. You're going to get great Jamaican food. You're going to get great Indian food. You're going to get great wow. Chinese food. So all of the favorite things that were my go-to, um, you know, growing up, we made toppings on um, the pizza. So, you know, New York is known for Chinese food being great. So, you know, I loved beef and broccoli growing up. So we have a beef and broccoli pizza. Um, There's a fried lobster pizza. There's a oxtail pizza. And then, you know, you have your your jerk chicken pizza. And then you have your standard, you know, pepperoni and cheese uh, pies as well.
0: Girl, I'm just staring
1: at you now. (laughs) Fried
0: lobster pizza? Oxtail pizza? (laughs) Come on, jerk chicken? Come on now. Who thought of all this Fantastic craziness, and does it come in small, medium, and large? Are they 12-inch, or are they super-sized, inch size pizzas? What do we have here?
1: So we have the standard New York 18-inch pizza. Okay. Um, that's, we only sell one size. Smart. Just to so, you know, make it easy to keep the, the SOP going and, and the standards, because the amount of traffic that we're going to have, we have to be able to Keep quality control at the yes, same ma'am. time, mm-hmm. so we're only offering twelve-inch pot. I mean, sorry, eighteen-inch pies as well as slices.
0: Now, slices are great. So you will do. You won't. You won't get into any Stromboli's and all that stuff. You just
1: eighteen-inch. I inch. know. we have a side salad and um, New York. There's a infamous deli sandwich called the chopped cheese. So. We have chopped cheese, egg rolls, and a side salad in addition to those 18-inch pies.
0: I'm talking to a vision, a visionary, or serial entrepreneur, uh, Tyra Myricks. You know, uh, there's always a passion in everybody. I think when you when you see so many things done a certain way, there's always a desire to give back, and uh, that's part of your, I guess, DNA. Uh, I know you uh, know you're tied to your your father's foundation, but talk about the whole process of giving back, and what's the goal. Of giving back.
1: I feel like just it should be our second nature. You know, um the goal of giving back, there really isn't a goal. It's it's pretty much just my intuition to try and change and help as many people as I can. There's things that I do that I don't I don't vocalize or or ask ask for accolades um from. I just feel like when we are when we have so much you know, put in a position where we have so many blessings, it, it means nothing if you don't share them with other people, you know, like you can be used as a catalyst to change. And, you know, you may be put in this position just to change the lives of those around you. Like how many lives can you change? How many people can you touch? It's really not about the money because the money can be made and be spent and be made and made over again. If you have somebody and you come across the life, it may be your your duty and your calling to just, you know, change that life or, right. or, or be a a a piece of the change in that person's life. Um so I think that, you know, just inspiring and and helping and and moving through, you know, my trials and tribulations like I didn't just get on this road and it's been smooth sailing. So even in the in the aspect of just sharing my story and helping other people not go or hit the same bumps in the road that I hit. Um you know, that's all a part of of giving back and and trying to, you know, be a catalyst for change.
0: You know, when I, when I, when I'm interviewing you, Tyra, the interesting thing that pops up because there's so many young people who want to be you, especially when you hear the word celebrities, uh, like Drake and party next door, you're doing the merchandise for them. Explain the process of that, because I know the merchandising, the, people immediately just think T-shirts, but that is a multi-billion dollar business for artists, not just musical artists, but athletes, but also uh, entertainers of so many different Elks. Talk about being the head of merchandise for their tours and how exactly does that work?
1: So um, pretty much you, you know, have to first thing comes first is knowing the artists yes. and knowing the market, the artist's mm-hmm. market. Um, because I've, bummed a lot of collections, you know, just going with my design background, like, oh, this is genius. And you know, it doesn't really appeal to uh the artist's market. So just knowing your artists and knowing their market and what they like and then change you know putting a little bit of you know artist art artistic background or just you know things of that people wouldn't normally mm-hmm. think of just thinking outside the box and infusing mm-hmm. it all together and creating a collection. Um tour merchandise is essentially I would probably say the easiest right. <laughs> because it's you don't change. So mm-hmm. we can be on tour for three months, clip, take a month break and go back on tour for three months and we're still selling the same merch. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like day-to-day operations with OVO, every Friday or every other Friday we're rolling out a new collection and that new collection has got to be based off of the numbers of the last collection and what sold more and what region sold more. Um, And then you also have different regions where like, you know, in the UK and and Germany and things like that, they actually like are still wearing the jeans with the rhinestones on it. So you got to really know (laughs) every market and, and how, you know, the best way to get a roi um and not even just get a roi but get a roi and make it influential make it cool we we don't want to just put out stuff because look this is selling it's just like look this is the market we could switch this up we could change it and be that game changer um and and make this different
0: she's in the pizza. she's in the physical fitness, she's into uh, clothing, she's into uh, uh, giving back. Uh, I, you know, have I missed anything, Tyra? You're giving back, you're into clothing, you're into pizza, you're into physical fitness. What have I missed? Um, I think that's pretty much it. And you're cool, and you're laid back, and you know how to manage your time. You won't lose your, you won't, you won't go crazy trying to do all these things. The blessing of this interview is that, uh, first of all, I always tell people that being young allows you to uh, change things, allows you to also recover from mistakes. And I'm not saying she's made mistakes, but what she's doing is she's living a life based on what she feels that she can do, based on her efforts, based on her... She's not... You know, when, when you look at people who's... They, they, I'm sure you've heard this, Tyra. Girl, you're doing too much. You need to sit down. Mm. What do you say to people who tell you that?
1: <laughs> um, I think that's crazy because my grandmother used to tell me that all the time. Like... Anytime I say I was getting into a new business venture, she's like, not having it. Like um, my grandmother was pretty much that, from that generation where, and and it's understandable. I have to tell my friends all that, that's all the time when they say, you know, my mother's not supportive, this, this, that, and the third. And I'm like, you gotta realize we come from a generation that's not the same as their generation. In their generation, it was, you go to school, you become something, or, you know, you take a city test and you make your salary and you know how you're gonna provide for your family. So it's very unheard of. Um, so I would just say, because personally, like I had to hear it every day um, growing up with my grandmother um, and I decided to make this venture like my mother. She was pretty supportive. Just, you know, do it. I'm going to support you. I, 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 how can I help? You know, that entrepreneurial spirit I got from my parents, but my grandparents didn't quite understand it until I started paying their bills. And it's like, okay, you know, and then it's like, you know, my grandmother's bragging about me, you know, like you gotta prove yourself just like you would in any industry, um, anywhere you go. If you had a job, in a hospital if you want to work your way up in that hospital whether it be from a nurse to like mm-hmm. the head nurse you have to prove yourself and it's no different in the industry or the uh, or being an entrepreneur you know the more accolades you get on your belt the more knowledge that you get the more that you're able to prove yourself and show yourself and and let people know that you know what you're doing and you know what you're talking about mm-hmm. people are going to gravitate and attract to like this person knows what they're doing right um, so don't ever, ever, ever get insecure or caught up in somebody else's thoughts of you because only you know your true potential. Well, it's really
0: important that you say it about your grandmother. I, I, I know my father, when I quit my job to be a stand-up comedian, in his mind, he couldn't even wrap his head around that because, you know, he couldn't figure out hourly wage. He couldn't afford a 40-hour week. Uh, how you gonna bore How you gonna get paid? All I know is that that is what I wanted to do with my life. I I put a plan in place to be successful at it. At least I thought that was the right plan. And many years later, it's not something I regretted. I'm I'm doing an interview with an incredibly talented young person like you, Tyra Maritz. And so I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conversations, sharing your story, because you are, uh, as they say, this is a politely say, a beast. And uh, that's (laughs) a compliment, Okay. Again, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversations. If thank you want to see anybody, it's been
1: a pleasure.
0: I appreciate you. If you want to come on and see any of my interviews or hear anybody interviews, please go to MoneyMakingConversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald, I am your host.